This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 663 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and Trust Design. On this week's USDF episode, we are joined by founder of We Ride Together organization, after that, we're going to talk to Janelle Bruce from Equestrian Canada, and then our friend S. Judge Ron King gives us a tip for this week. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, Welcome hello. home, Reese. Georgetown, Yay! Kentucky. I know I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Last week was really a big week. Starting off with you and Meredith coming to visit me in Wellington. And it was <laughs> the first time we've seen each other in person and what? Two and a half years. A couple of years at least. Yeah. Crazy. And if anybody knows us, we actually really do hang out together. And our spouses really, we have a great time. We normally go on at least a couple trips a year together. So the pandemic really put a, it really, you know, cramped our style. Let's be real. It was sad, <laughs> but it was so fun to get together. See you guys in person. I haven't seen Meredith and, you know, I don't really care about you. I really care about her, but um, no, it's, it was just so fun to be able to just hang out a little bit. It was a short trip. Um, and then we packed up and went home the next day. Like you were, you were absolutely the, you're like the nightcap of Wellington season for you coming to visit. Well, I mean, I hope that uh, that it was a good trip back up to uh, to Kentucky, and you know, it, was... <laughs> it wasn't actually, but that's okay. <laughs> Thank you for asking. And, and anybody that that does the whole Florida season, or if you go to California, or wherever you go, if you do go, it it, it is not easy, and you sort of have to get in the mindset that it's going to take a week on either end, um, which is tricky, right? It's a week for the horses because you have to pack where you're leaving from, then you travel, then you have to get settled in your new facility. And um, it really is a week or, or 10 days, uh, depending on how many horses and if you have gone to that farm before or not. And then the driving, you know, it's very stressful. Uh, we happened to hit really bad storms and uh, we were traveling home and there were all these tornadoes in the South. So really thinking about anybody that has a farms in the South, it was terrible weather. So we thankfully had great friends. Shout out to Ashley Kehoe and Alston Kerr. Ashley let us keep the horses there at her farm another night. She was an amazing host. So we were we were fine where we were. And we looked at the weather and just decided, uh, Je Jenkins, my assistant, and I just kind of decided it was best to stay in Ocala for a day uh, extra. But it was super fun. And we were able to do that. Uh, we had coverage. We had to make some phone calls and make that happen. But everybody was wonderful and really wanted us to stay put where we were because we were safe. Uh, and we got to see Glenn and uh, I had seen Glenn over the summer when he was here. Uh, but it was so fun to see Glenn Hebert. He's our boss here and the owner of the Horse Radio Network. So we were able to have lunch with them. So it really was a, actually a fun extra day in Ocala. And then we traveled home and then we had really bad, bad traffic. So I don't know if anybody was traveling last week, but uh, it was not fun. Uh, but we got home safely and the horses were wonderful. Uh, my little puppy, who's not so little anymore, uh, had a big week. First of all, he's not, it was a little leery of Phil. He loved Meredith. He was a little leery of Phil. And he, he really just doesn't have found enough out, men in his life. He's just, he doesn't. He what? doesn't. Ah, are you here to mow the lawn? <laughs> well, anything. Yeah. He, uh, but he was a little bit nervous about Phil, but uh, he was really nervous with traffic. So thankfully, I wasn't driving, but he was trying to climb in the passenger seat in my lap. Uh, so that was a little traumatic, but, uh, it was good. It was, it was, uh, but everybody's home safe and sound. And it's so nice to be in Kentucky. It's so green here. And it was, it's just nice to be home with my family and my husband, is, you know, just, just get back to real life. So that was really nice. So it was a great season, uh, enjoyed every minute of it. And, uh, it's fun to be back now and getting ready. Everyone's starting to compete up here. So our, our show season, we have a horse show next week and recognize our first recognized show. So it's starting, which is really fun. So 
Yeah, it was great, but it was so fun to see you guys in person. Um, and I can't wait for many more trips to come in, in the future. Well, I think we've got a pretty good show going on today. And uh, we're going to be bringing you topics from USDF and Equestrian Canada. So let's get right to it. Love it. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight we are so thrilled to have Carrie Caring. She is the founder of We Ride Together on the program. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are thrilled. And we're going to get started and just have you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you founded We Ride Together. Sure. Well, I founded We Ride Together with the Horse Network. And what happened was um, my family is very, very deep into horses, as most equestrians are. If you're into horses, it's pretty much everything. And um, I think regardless of the discipline and my, you know, all of my daughters rode and um, my daughter, Maggie at the time um, had, had ridden with her coach for four years and was very, very, very committed and uh, involved in the sport and um, has very high goals for herself in the sport. And, you know, her coach was the most influential person in her life. And she was groomed into a relationship with him. And, you know, prior to that, she hadn't, you know, I should never even had a boyfriend. She was, she was a junior in high school. He was, you know, a horse girl. And what happened was um, when everything came out as to what had transpired, Maggie was in horrifying shape. And, you know, we had a a, a period where she was suicidal and not really wanting to move forward in her life and dealing with a a lot emotionally and mentally. And then um, after about six months, she decided to go to Faceport, which is an organization in in the U.S that all uh, all athletes, all, all, at least all equestrians in the U.S., um, over eight, the age of 18 need to have a membership. And it, it's a, um, in case people aren't familiar with it, it basically looks at transgressions that have occurred and then can suspend or, or, or ban people from professionals in, in their sport. And, um, you know, it's put in place after, after NASAR in the gymnastics. And so... Um, People had been calling Safe Sport, reporting the relationship, but Maggie wasn't ready to come forward. And then about six months after everything, you know, came out, she she did go to Safe Sport and she did talk to Safe Sport. And then a couple of days later, the coach was suspended. And what happened was the reaction within our um, our community, within the equestrian community, 
didn't make sense. The reactions weren't, okay, this girl is a junior in high school. You know, had this been her math teacher, I don't think, you know, I think everybody would have been up in arms. But because this was her coach, and we tend to, uh, for whatever reason, in sporting organizations, not really, you know, fully understand and put, you know, the role of the coach and the responsibility of the coach, that reactions were more of, well, it was consensual, you know, should his life be ruined? And um, it, it just, it didn't make any sense. And so I contacted Harley Sparks, who's the uh, chief editor of the Horse Network, and then she put me in touch with a, um, a, a publicist and a strategist named Lauren Kay. And the three of us kind of sat down and said, okay, we have this, this huge mountain to move of, you know, understanding what sexual abuse in our sport looks like and how prevalent it is and, and how do we move this mountain. And we initially thought we were just going to maybe come out with a PSA or two, and then we had a website, but it, it wasn't, it was going to be, you know, a big thing because nobody's really done anything like this, but it wasn't going to be what it has been turned into. But what happened was once Maggie came forward and then after we released her uh, a PSA, which had my daughter in it, um, talking about what had happened to her and a little bit what grooming looked like and all these things, my family received an avalanche. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of equestrians from all over the world started reaching out to my daughter and myself and sharing their situations and, and what had happened to them. And some of these were situations from 30 years ago where, you know, people were just now starting to deal with it and reckon with it. But a large many of the situations we have heard um, have occurred within the past five years. And so it is very much a current problem. And if you look at the numbers, um, horse sport is, so this is a problem in, in all athletics across the board, right? You look at, um, you know, 50% of all children prior to the age of 18, at least in the United States, have experienced some form of, to, to some degree, sexual misconduct in their sport. And then um, there was a study that was done, um, I think a year or two ago, that was published in USA Today that, that looked at um, athletes, college athletes, and one in four college athletes said they had experienced um, sexual abuse in their sport while, you know, while competing at some point in their life, you know, whether it was prior to college or in college. Those numbers are staggering. It's horrible. They're staggering. The numbers are staggering. And um, nobody's really doing anything to address it because it is such a taboo subject and there's so much stigma involved and nobody wants to hear their sports name, you know, in the same sentence as sexual abuse. It's, it's just not something anybody wants. So we decided you know, okay, we need to do more. We need to lean in more. Well, so uh, we yeah, started... I mean, it, it can't get better if it doesn't, is it isn't brought to light, you know, if you just compartmentalize it and, and keep it, keep it secret, then it's just going to continue for sure. Well, and it never has been brought to light because the stigma and the taboo, I mean, if you look at what happened with my daughter, if you look at, um, I think it was Chronicle of the Horse was the first one to post on Facebook about her, her former coach's suspension. And they, they, they posted an article about it with a quote from, from my daughter. And if you, if you look at the comments, the hate towards my daughter was in, insane. It was fully vilifying a, you know, a minor who'd been groomed and sexually abused. And everybody was angry at her for coming forward. And so I think that's a huge reason nobody talks about it. And it's also taboo. And there's so much guilt and grooming isn't really something that we discuss, but because it makes people uncomfortable, and but Carrie, it needs to be discussed. Could you just talk about grooming? I think that's important to sort of define that and what that is and why potentially in, in the horse sport, it could happen in easier than other sports. And I'm not saying that, that it doesn't happen in all sports, but horse sports specifically. Well, horse sports specifically, we run into problems in horse sports because when you look at where things like this happen in sport, they, there is a higher, we, we check all the boxes, right? There is a higher mm -hmm. prevalence 
in individual sports. Um, there is a higher prevalence in high performance sports because students and coaches have, um, you know, so much more time together, so much more. And then you look at, um, I think most sports have this, but specific to horse sports, you, you look to your coach in most cases when you're competing, you know, at intense levels for, for, for everything from, you know, that's how you learn how to care for your horse. That's how you learn about, you know, health and wellness and feed and medications and soundness, right? All of these things come from your coach. And so they are, they very much become the most influential person in your life. And then grooming is a, a very, very subtle thing. It can start with things that don't seem like anything, right? That aren't red flags. Maybe somebody brings you a cup of coffee, maybe as opposed to a, you know, a, a group dinner when you're competing, maybe, you know, the coach wants, you know, wants to talk to you about something specific in your, in your riding. And so it is suggested that, you know, that, that there's a, you know, a lunch or a dinner or, or something, right? It starts with very, very minor things. And, and then remember as a, as a student or an athlete or, you know, a minor, you're looking to this person to, to help you understand your sport and understand the, your world. And so you're putting all of your trust in this person and then the lines can get blurred and, and crossed very quickly. In, in my understanding, but, it's, it's, you know, it can be subtle, but you know, it, it comes, it starts kind of with one-on-one communications via text message or, you know, and then it's more one-on-one time where, you know, the student can be really flattered by that, right? And like, oh, well, I must be special. I must be special. And then, and then it just kind of evolves from there. So, you know, this is where the education and coaches is like, th- those things are, you know, one-on-one with a minor is, is off limits and, and then it never gets started, right? Right. And, and, you know, we run into a problem in our industry because our industry has been, you know, at least in the U.S., entirely unregulated, right? And so then when you come in with these rules that professionals in our sport, they seem arbitrary or ridiculous, you know, because it, it is hard, right? Because sometimes you have to be at the barn at 530 in the morning with your coach and your student and, you know, you have a 630 a.m. course lock and, and things like that. And so then it then everybody says, well, we can't do this. You know, we, we can't do, we have to have one-on-one communication. And, but that's, that's not the case. These are things that, that professionals in our sport um, and the adults in our sport should automatically be putting in place to, to protect the minors, but also just to protect themselves from, from right. any right. conflicts or anything. It's, it's just, it's a really good business practice. And um, we're really in our sport shut, shut down against it. We're really pushing very hard against that and right. and that doesn't make sense because you know any other you know business would say this is this is just a good business practice. Well, and I think too, Carrie, I mean, it, partly with horse sports, a lot of times you travel and you're away and you're away from your family right. or you're you're going to hotels and that and and again, it's important that um, again, Philip and I are both certified coaches, so there are rules in place. And, and that's a whole different topic as well. But like you said, it's also to protect the coach. It just protects everyone. And I think that that is so important because for so many years, that's just what, what has happened. And that's not necessarily a good thing. And that's one of the reasons that we've had so much trouble in our sport um, and why safe sport, like you said in the intro, has become a policy for all riders, coaches, anyone that has access to athletes. and when you listen and you take those courses, you do learn um, about grooming. You learn about the correct practices that should happen. So for example, uh, a coach needs to have communication with their minor student and also their parent or a guardian or someone else has to be on that particular discussion. And it's not that difficult to do as a coach um, once you put, like you said, the practices in place. And I think that's incredibly important uh, moving forward that 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 happens. So that, like you said, it, it starts from a very, a place that no one notices and then it becomes an incredibly big problem. And it's it's not, it's not a good thing at all for anyone. No. And it's so interesting because in all of this, talking about this, you know, endlessly, I, you know, we get so much 
positive feedback, but we also get so, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of, when we first started, we ride together, said, well, you're going to damage the sport. You're going to ruin the sport. And, and I say, no, I think the sport, we think the sport is the most incredible thing ever. It's, you know, it's my, my family's lifeblood and my daughter's lifeblood, but we just want to make it better and stronger and healthier for the next generation of riders. And we want our barns to be the safest, healthiest place for, you know, to flood with children because it is such an amazing sport to flood with children. But yet when we find the professionals in our sport and, and, and quite honestly, it's a lot of the, you know, the male trainers in our sport feel very threatened by these discussions as opposed to, you know, it's pretty black and white. We, these are the discussions we need to be embracing. And these are the discussions and awareness and, and things that in, in any other walk in life, you get training around this, you get understanding around this. There are rules and regulations and a culture and the culture of our sport. Nobody blinks twice when a older male trainer gets involved with his 18 year old working student, right? That's, that's considered it, it's that we see it all the time, but yet in, in every, any other walk of life that, that totally wouldn't be acceptable. And especially with that power imbalance, you know, it, look at what just happened at CNN. I mean, there was the, the CEO of CNN had a consensual relationship with a, with a woman who worked under him and, and they, they both ended up no longer being employed at CNN and, and nobody in the world blinked at that. Everybody said, yes, that makes sense. He shouldn't have done that. But yet in our, the culture of our sport, we don't have any problem with it. And we should, because it's, yeah. it's not okay. No, no, not, not at all. And I mean, Phil being, being a male trainer, Phil, you can certainly discuss it as well, but. Um, I, I, I mean, I mean the, the short, the, the long and the short of it is like, if you have, if you're not doing that, the protections, I mean, I, I, I ensure, I, you know, I, I welcome them because then if I get accused, I say, no, I've never done that. And here's the, here's the text messages. Here's the, you know, everyone's like, like it protects me as a yeah. trainer in, in, in case you're worried about, you know, false accusations. Right. So it's, it's a well no, done, absolutely. you know, it's, a, it's, it's one of those well done things, you know, like yeah. I, I put these things in place and then if I get accused, I've got all the proof I need to, to say, nope. No, I'm fine. You know, like everything yeah. I did was above board and, and, and there you go. So what's the problem? And, and, and for the record, um, we also seem to have in our sport, there seems to be that there are a lot of false accusations. False accusations around sexual misconduct and abuse are rare. What, what's not rare is that most people don't come forward. Like when you look at how this works in the criminal court system out of like, you know, a hundred rapes only, you know, three actually even make it to the, you know, to trial. I mean, it, you know, in most cases, in fact, Safe Sport just put out a, they did a survey where they surveyed 4,000 athletes from every single discipline. And of those who had experienced, you know, sexual abuse or misconduct, 93% of them said they did not report it. So we don't have a false accusation problem. We have an underreporting problem. And what we ride together is about, it's not about reporting it. It's not about the bloody mess at the end, which is safe sport or law enforcement. It's about pre preventing it. And it's about preventing it with awareness and education and better practices. And, you know, we can't do any of those things until we get comfortable with understanding that we have a problem and addressing it and removing the stigma from talking about it. Right, right, exactly. Well, Carrie, give us all the information. How can we get on the website? All, all the details. So the website is um, we ride together dot today, and um, the website is great. It has the PSAs that are specific to horse sport. It has some PSAs we did with Army of Survivors. Um, that, you know, on it, we have a PSA with a former NFL Super Bowl player, uh, you know, former world-class diver, um, a NASAR survivor, and, you know, and then as well as our equestrians. And then, um, because we are beginning to take what we're doing and branch out into other sports, and we also want the equestrian world to know this, right? The equestrians aren't alone in this. This is, this right. is all 
all, all, all the places our children um, participate in athletics. And um, the website has, you know, resources, how to make your barn safer. There are survivor resources. There's even a, a page, one of our links, uh, we found it on Zero Abuse Project is, is one of our partners. And we used one of their links because they had a link on their website with frequently asked questions. And I found it and I said, oh my gosh, these are the questions I'm getting asked, you know, on a, on a daily basis. And then we also have a, a really great section called Stories Have Power. And where that is, is if somebody, um, you know, in some cases, these are people who have never shared their story before, um, where they, they want to share it, but they, you know, they share it anonymously. And we don't, we don't, we use false names. We don't, you know, we're not, again, we're not about pointing fingers at individuals. We're about stopping the greater problem. And um, I've received a, a great many of calls from, in most cases, women, and in a few cases, men who have said that they were actually deeply affected by reading the stories in the stories have power section, because it helped them kind of recognize things that had happened to them in their past or things that they were currently dealing with to help them feel not so alone. And then we have an Instagram, we ride together today. Um, because again, there's so much of this is an awareness campaign, right? And so as much as we can spread our message on social media and get people comfortable discussing it in the right way on social media, I think is, is really, really helpful. Yes. Well, Carrie, again, thank you so much for your time and coming on and and giving us the resources. We so appreciate it. And we want to continue to discuss it so that we can, we can hopefully help young women and young men being safe in the barn. And that is really our ultimate goal is safety and that everybody has fun in our sport. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I so appreciate being here. Tired of scrolling through texts, flipping through a calendar, or rummaging through folders in the tack room to find the information you need? It's inefficient, time-consuming, and frustrating. Why not have everything you need to know about your horses in the palm of your hand? From vet reports and training logs to care notes and photos, all that important information is immediately available to you on Horse Report system. Our field-leading dashboard means that nothing is more than a couple of clicks away. With monthly subscriptions starting at just $9.99, there's a plan that is right for you and your team in the stable. Go to horsereportsystem.com to learn more and get a free trial. The podcast is North America's most listened to horse show-inspired podcast with over 200 episodes. Hosted by me, Piper Clem, publisher of the Plaid Horse Magazine, listen in to hear guests which include Olympic equestrians, top hunter-jumper and equitation riders, trainers, vets, farriers, horse show managers, and industry insiders discussing topics that matter, horsemanship, collegiate riding, the state of our sport, and horse show how-tos for riders at every level. One episode each month is devoted to the mental side of your ride with nationally recognized mental skills coach and author Tanya Johnson. You will also hear insider stories about how the Plaid Horse Magazine comes together every month. Well, tonight it is my pleasure to introduce Janelle Bruce. She is the coaching coordinator from Equestrian Canada. Hi, Janelle. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So uh, we thought we'd re- it's really important for us to, you know, get some coaching information out there because I think, you know, in, in 2020, the Equestrian Canada decided to revamp the whole thing and introduce all kinds of new stuff. And uh, I've seen lots of conflicting information going on uh, online, on Facebook and whatever. So I thought we'd just get right to the source and uh, and and bring you on the show and see if we can get the correct information out there. Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely a pleasure to, to be here and, uh, you know, for, for you guys allowing me the opportunity to, to clarify some things because, yes, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of confusion going on. And because of the complexity uh, of the programs, it can be hard to, to navigate through them. So maybe I'll, I'll just let you get started and, and, and say, like, where did all these changes come from? How did they get, get started with that? And, and, and now where are we? Okay, so essentially it was the government of Canada uh, back in April of 2018, they introduced a a safe sport program uh, or mandated a safe sport program. And essentially what the requirements within that program was, there was three major ones. 
One of them being that we had to create an environment that was free from harassment, abuse, discrimination of any kind, and as well, you know, creating that safe and welcoming, inclusive environment. A second point of that was that uh, we needed to provide mandatory training on these subjects. And then the third was that we needed to put in place a complaint uh, management process or dispute resolution process. So those were the key factors that uh, influenced the development of the coach status program, which does in fact answer uh, to the requirements of the Government of Canada in regards to the safe sport. Um, And then as well with, uh, as you mentioned, you know, prior to uh, 2020, uh, Equestrian Canada, yes, we had the coach levy, but then again, those types of programs um, didn't necessarily respond to the mandates of 2018. And so there was a lot of enhancements. So that's where the coach status program was uh, developed from. So, uh, you know, uh, like, like I just, we talked off air, I said, uh, you know, last year I, I've got my certification. And I think a mm-hmm. real benefit of, of the new programs is that step by step, it provides uh, a pathway for anyone to kind of get going on their on their towards certification because i think you know that that's that's the end goal of uh, equestrian canada is to get everyone certified but broken down into these steps it's very it's much easier to do you know i i hadn't been certified because my feeling was that there was no there was no real place for me the the, the umbrella didn't include someone who had been coaching and teaching for a long time. I, I mean, I've mm-hmm. been doing it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I never got started when I was younger. And so there was all these strange requirements for jumping. And, you know, I understand where they came from. But I was like, well, I, I don't have a jumping horse now. And, you know, where do I get started and whatever. And the new program really let me go, go along the pathway towards certification. And then I found that, you know, over the past two years, it wasn't easy but it was clear and straightforward. And so that's yeah. where I want to say thank you so much for, for doing that. And maybe now we can talk about what are the steps and how, how does someone get started in, in, towards certification through the new programs. And, and, and people get, are getting tripped up on the labels of the steps. So we're going to try to really uh, break them down and, uh, and tell them what they need to do. Sounds good. So um, essentially, yes, uh, you know, you did mention you got certified. So that would have been done through uh, the Coaching Association of Canada, as well as EC, the NCCP program, which is the National Coaching Certification Program uh, in Canada. And for all sports. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, yes. That is not equestrian specific. So, yeah, they're really, really nicely tied together. Yes, correct. Correct. So, you know, with that being said, you know, there is some, uh, you know, CAC does work in cooperation with us to develop more like sports specific within the NCCP. But yes, uh, you are correct. It is, uh, it is across all sports. There's 65 or 68 sports that do, um, do have an NCCP program. So essentially with the coach status, so there are currently two statuses. We're looking at registered coach status, which is more tailored towards the coach who uh, is either pursuing certification or you know new to the the uh, the coaching industry instructing that kind of thing so um, that would be registered coach status and that one is a status that does not um, it does not you don't need a, a certification or verified experience to hold registered coach status basically it would uh, you know there'd be an overview your concussion education uh, fostering healthy equestrian environments which would be your safe sport training and then as well there'd be the first aid um, which the requirement for first aid would be standard first aid CPR level C um, which was a requirement that just recently changed and I can get into that in a little bit there are some uh, criminal record checks that would need to be done as well as the screening disclosure form uh, which would encompass the screen components uh, to receive registered coach status. And as well as another important part would be the insurance component, uh, where certain minimum requirements would need to be met, uh, one being $2 million in uh, commercial general insurance liability, and then 100000 in professional insurance 
pliability, um, and also some letters of references. So for those who are uh, deciding that they will be attending an NCCP evaluation, uh, register coach status would be required prior to uh, engaging in these activities. So once register coach status is completed, then the coach can then enroll into evaluation, uh, be evaluated. Um, evaluations are based on competencies. And then upon successful completion, then if that coach wishes to upgrade to licensed coach status, they can do so um, as licensed coach status does require a certain level of experience and expertise that needs to be demonstrated. With the licensed coach status, uh, there's only a few variances between that and registered coach status. Um, the requirements I previously talked about would be the same for licensed coach status. Uh, in addition, uh, there would be a vulnerable sector search for those born before January 1st, 1986. Um, and then there'd be an additional letter of reference that would be required, and then uh, as well as the certification. And I will go back to the, the standard first aid. So uh, previously, um, we were accepting emergency first aid. Um, and then with that as well, our purpose is also to provide coaches with the confidence and the, the, the tools, the resources that they would need to address the situations that they would be faced with in within their coaching activities. And with standard first aid, why we had upgraded um, that requirement was that standard first aid uh, includes education on concussions, as well as it includes education for uh, spinal injuries, which unfortunately is relevant to our sport. So that was one of the requirements that we uh, we enhanced. So so for to be a registered coach, uh, the, these, these things to me are no-brainers. You know, the police check, getting some first aid, and having insurance. I think that that should be a requirement for anybody as a professional standard if you're going to go and teach Correct. a lesson. But, but this is this is mandatory, required to be a coach at a show. Yes. So yes. so how so, is that? How is that? How is it going to be policed? You know, like uh, so that these are these are my questions. You know, coming up for this year for its first first year of mandatory. Uh, who's who's looking after? making sure that that everyone at a horse show is uh, is registered coach status. Yeah, so essentially uh, for 2022, um, there, are, there are three rules that would apply uh, for coach status uh, in competitions. So there's Article A-102, uh, which can be found in our, um, our general rule book. Um, and that essentially would be a safe sport environment, which essentially um, just states that coach status is required in order to engage in EC-sanctioned um, competitions. Now, there's the other two um, that would modify certain things for competition organizers. There'd be uh, the Rule A602, uh, which only states that uh, the mandatory information coach status would need to be listed on their prize list. And then another article would be Article A802. Um, and that would be that coach status information uh, must be included on the entry form. So essentially, when um, a student, let's say myself, I'm an athlete, uh, Phil, you're my coach. Uh, so then in, on my entry form, I would indicate Phil Parks as my coach with his uh, sports license number. And then essentially on the grounds itself, uh, we're really focused on education versus enforcement uh, for this new year. Um, we're really hoping, you know, to get some feedback from competition organizers, officials, and all of those involved that are on the showgrounds, um, you know, if they can provide us with that feedback so that moving forward, we can then uh, further develop uh, the policing, if you will. Um, so essentially, uh, coach status, you know, if an official would need to uh, have access to this information, they can uh, request this from a coach, and then that can help them migrate to a specific situation on the showgrounds. And then afterwards, once the competition would be done, uh, one of our, our priorities or our intentions was to minimize uh, the amounts of effects that this would cause uh, on competition organizers and everybody involved. So essentially, um, competition organizers are already submitting their results, their show results. Um, there's some documents that need to be submitted after the, uh, the event has ended. 
Um, so essentially this year, we're just asking them to send over their coach status information um, along with their uh, results. And then at that point, that's when, um, you know, we'll get uh, the coaching department, we'll get some form of report, and then we'll be able to follow up with those who do not have coach status. We're not asking competitions organizers to, uh, you know, deny them from being on their showgrounds or participating. Um, and then again, it's really based on uh, education and engagement versus uh, enforcement. Yeah, I mean, as with any new program, um, there's going to be some kinks, right? We, 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 you know, we have to Correct. accept that. And and you know, this is a good way of doing things to say. You know, for our first year, you know, it's not going to be about enforcement. It's, it's going to be about education. And but moving forward, you know, we're going to we're working towards, you know, finding the most effective way to enforce these these things and, and how to make our program better and easier to understand. And and like I said, I think, you know, the goal of getting everyone certified or, you know, holding some professional standard to coaching is is necessary and uh yeah. you know and and really like i said the the current program is providing a really big umbrella for everyone to come to come under that umbrella and to participate and and have their voices heard and um you know and and get going towards certification so i i think that's fantastic now i've noticed there's a lot of new info on on the internet maybe you can direct our listeners to you know where where are we going to find more information on this and and how how can we get everyone participating and also heard in their their opinions about this yeah um so essentially they can go to our website www.equestrian.ca uh, under the Program and Services tab, uh, they can click on Coaching, and then from there, uh, they would have uh, a few tabs, whether it's uh, Coaching Certification, Coach Status, all that information is, is, is um, can be located there. And as well as there's some great checklists um, that make it easier for candidates to migrate through the process that really breaks it down step by step, you know, starting from step one all the way to step eight, nine, you know, um, that really helps them, uh, you know, guide them through the process and uh, and clarify things for them as they're going through it. Yeah, I mean, I experienced that for sure. And I, we know when I was getting started, it seems like there's a lot, there's a lot to do, right? But if you just, just yeah. start at the first thing, you know, get that done. There's an online portal to submit everything that you have or, you know, Correct. and that was really easy to navigate, or, you know, really commend whoever's doing your web design. And two years later, I went from nothing to to certified so it, i mean it's awesome process awesome programs that are being run and and uh, i mean i hope i hope i can continue and, and help in, in some ways so janelle if if somebody wants to contact you for more questions how can they do that um so they can either uh, contact me directly uh, my email j bruce b-r-u-c-e at equestrian.ca um, also, uh, they can contact uh, the coaching department, uh, which would be coaching at equestrian.ca. Um, and then uh, either myself or my, my colleague, Sylvie, uh, who does the processing for the coach status application, uh, could definitely guide them through, whether it's technical issues or, you know, help with migrating the program itself, uh, help with uh, migrating the e-campus and all the resources available. Uh, we'd be more than happy to do that. And, and if you're in Ontario, uh, the Ontario Equestrian um, people there are also super helpful and, and can get you going on, on your way. Yes, yes. We do work in, in collaboration with our PTSOs. Um, this is something that, you know, kind of uh, all hands on deck, uh, you know, sort of scenario. Um, so, yes, so we do work closely in collaboration with our PTSOs who do also support um, the coaches in navigating these programs. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and, and really educational. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, on Phil's trip to see us in Wellington uh, this week, it was great because we had just received our halters from Trust Design and it was really fun. We, we are able to get some great pictures. Um, we're not going to talk about how many pictures it took, Philip. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, not, we're not good at the whole photo shoot. Well, okay, wait. Reese and Bingo and Mike were perfect. I'm just going to say, potentially yeah. there were some 
we had to fuss it fill a little bit on smiles, but the horses <laughs> looked beautiful in their new trust design halters. They looked great. They're beautiful. They're fun. Uh, first of all, check out, you can see us. We'll, we'll, we'll there. It's the head of our, our website now, our Facebook page. And they're, they're beautiful. And my horses were beautiful models. Um, and these are great halters. And we're so thankful that Trust Design sent us some so we could feel them and unbox them and put them on the horses. And uh, um, um, again, the, my boys were great models. They were perfect. They got all dressed up for their photo shoot. Uh, and then we finally got Phil to, to smile a little bit. So we hope you enjoy these halters. They're great. Take a look at my beautiful horses. They they looked great. And uh, we hope you enjoy the halters. You can check out the halters and all of the other Trust Design products at trvstdesign.com. Well, for this week's Trust Design Tip of the Week, we have S. Judge Ron King on the line. Ron, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, as an S. Judge, we asked you, we don't we don't get enough judges tips. Uh, and as we're all getting ready for showing this summer and spring, what is your tip for all of us for a good test? I think the one, the biggest one that comes to mind is preparation for each movement. I, the riders get in there and I think nerves get involved and um, they want to kind of remember where they're going and what they're doing. And as they're doing that, they kind of rush through everything. And so the transition kind of happens abruptly at sea or, <laughs> or things go kind of astray because the rider is so focused on just getting through each movement that they're not focused on preparing for the next movement. And, um, I know, yeah, I mean, some, sorry, I was just going to jump in and say, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect tip. I mean, because there's so many tests and I, you know, I've written a lot, so I know how this happens, but you know, you, you have this picture of everything going perfect. And if it doesn't go perfect, then the, the entire test gets away from you. Right. And, yes. you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, I try to really think about each corner being defined and that's where I'm going to. Just let the last movement go and and continue on to the next movement. And every corner is an opportunity to sort of do a, a little reset, you know, and, and how do I get riding the next movement better? Um, you know, it's just using the corners to prepare the horse, you know, like you're saying, for thing to thing to thing so that the, the entire test doesn't get all jumbled up just because one movement didn't go perfect. Yeah, using the corners, half halting in the corners, and also just, really thinking about if you're doing a downward transition, how many half-halts in that situation with your particular horse are needed to get a nice fluid transition. And I see people very often rushing through and then, you know, and then they're resorting <laughs> to the rain and kind of pulling back and hoping they get the transition at whatever ladder it's supposed to be. Instead of really taking the time and kind of breathing throughout the test and just preparing for the next thing. Well, isn't it true as well, Ron, that the preparation, you have to slow down and think a little bit. And like you said, riders are so nervous when they go in there. And I mean, I've done it. I, I probably did it last test. You know, like, oh, but the preparation time is also a time that the rider needs to just take a deep breath and start thinking a little slower, you know, because I don't know about you guys, but I get in there and my brain is like, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. And the preparation sort of brings me back to, no, actually you just need to ride that transition at sea, think about it, prepare for it, and then move on to the next movement. So I think yeah. it's also that sort of slow your brain down time. Totally. I think riding one movement at a time through the test and almost thinking of it like a little bit in slow motion, I think would help people produce a better ride. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes you get in there and it's like a roller coaster. You're like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going this way and I'm going this way. And, and you don't have time to just like, we're okay. <laughs> Slow your brain. Um, and I, I think that's normal. I think is that's just practice and getting in the ring and knowing that the judge isn't there to be mean to you. <laughs> you know, it takes some practice, right? To do that. So yeah. I think that the idea of preparation and the thought of that and the is, is incredibly important. So I think for everybody for, for this spring and summer, remember to do it. And, and Ron, how can our listeners find you online to find more great tips out? 
My website is blueprintfarm.ca. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for the tip, Ron, and good luck this season. All right. You're welcome. Thanks. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Uh, we love the tips too. We'll, we always enjoy hearing what you guys are up to. So keep them coming. And Phil, we should do a drum roll because we have a new book <laughs> club of the month or of the quarter, really. Let's be real. Um, so you ready? Yeah. That was my drum roll. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have Balancing Act by Dr. Gerd Heuschman. He is the author of Tug of War and Collection or Contortion. So this is a really interesting book. It's Balancing Act, The Horse in Sport and Irreconcilable Conflict. So grab a hold of it. We'll make sure it goes on our list. Everybody enjoys our books. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. We, uh, I don't think we did ever uh, talk about Tug of War, um, but it was, a, it was a really interesting and very, very good book. Um, I read it years ago, so I'm excited for his new one. This is a fairly new book, so we are excited. So once again, Balancing Act, Dr. Gerd Heuschman, and we will be discussing it. We'll give you guys and us a few weeks to read it, and then we'll come back and talk about it because I think it's an important book to talk about. And don't forget, you can get the book at horseandriderbooks.com. That's Trafalgar Square. They're a great partner with us, and we're thrilled to be working with them. Again, horseandriderbooks.com. Well, it was fun to be back with you guys. And as always, the United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Horse Report System, and trust design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.